Any of you ever live with any condemnation? You know what I mean? Like those little thoughts that go in your head, they just wreck your head. They wreck your brains like I did it again type of stuff. You know, oh, I can't believe I keep doing that. I mean, why can't I get it together? Maybe even talk to yourself and you, like, you give yourself a call your name. Hey, Jerry, get it together, you know, and you just talk. And you think that's going to work and you're just going to try harder and do better next time. And then eventually, like, you keep in the failure and the falling. Eventually, you just say, you know, I give up. And you either give up one of two ways. You, you condemn yourself and you say, I'm not qualified. I, I, don't, I don't belong in this. And then you just start staying home. Happens, happens. Or you go the other way where you just fake it better and you get a better mask on. You know, on the outside it smiles and cheery, but inside you're dead. And you just, because you're just riddled with, with guilt and condemnation. And I'll tell you, if that's your story in any way, any stretch of the imagination, Good Friday is good news for you. Larry and Linda had two children, two boys. They were good, loving parents. Anybody would tell you that, including their sons, at least up to a point. They were strict. They had boundaries in the house. They were rules, definitely in the house. But their oldest, Larry Jr., um, he didn't like the rules, and he, he was always in rebellion and fighting against anything where he was told what to do. Does that sound familiar to any of you? And so he left home at 17 years old. He said, I'll, I'll do it on my own. I don't want anything to do with you. And his family were heartbroken. And he didn't stay in touch. As a matter of fact, he cut them off. And they would find out where he's at and send messengers, his brother, after him to, to say, listen, mom and dad love you. The door's open. They themselves would try and call and he would block them and he just, just cut them off and it really wasn't a good reason. He, he, they just represented anything that was against his way of doing life. And so the parents, after years passed, became more grieved and they wanted to find reconciliation, and they were always open to receive Larry Jr. back into the house to the point where, like, every holiday they had a chair at the table. Nobody could sit in but Larry Jr. And they always made, on Thanksgiving and at Christmas, they made his favorite dessert, which was a pineapple upside-down cake, just in case he would decide to come home. So as he was out further and further, and at times for years, nobody knew where he was. And at great expense, dad would hire a private investigator and just find out, just wanted to make sure he was okay. So if he didn't want to reconcile, at least let me know he's okay. And he would find him and find his address. And towards their later years in life, the, the grief was still there. It just really never went away. They would take their car and they would drive fly first and then drive to where Larry was living and he didn't know they were there and he, they knew not to go confront him, he would just move again. And they would sit in their car and they would watch him leave the house in disheveled state. He obviously wasn't doing well. Apparently in this time he had had a run with drugs and alcohol. And he was just separated from them. They would sit in the car and they would watch him and they would weep, grieving that they wanted reconciliation with him more than anything. They didn't want him perfect. They just wanted him back. Eventually, of course, they had to make the decision as they got in later years that 
that their younger brother would would be the heir to their estate because the Larry Jr. had totally rejected them completely. I don't know, you and me, we were once estranged from God at one point in our life. Maybe you knew him from a little child. You're one of the few, if that's your case, your story. Many people tried to tell me, like, this is the way. You know, they tell me about this Jesus, and I, I would just brush them off. Maybe for you, it was the person at work tried to get your attention and you just weren't listening to them or you took that vacation to Yosemite and you saw the the splendor of the park and the majesty, but you just didn't want to believe that there was a creator that made this that was great. You you just didn't fit into your vision of life because your life meant you controlled it and you understood it and you could define it. So you, God would whisper to you and somehow you would know it was him speaking, but you would just dismiss his voice. You just couldn't believe it. You disregarded everything that challenged your lifestyle. And so with that, God calls that rejection of him and separation from him, he calls it sin, it offends him. He says this in Isaiah 59 too, it's a, it's a horrible truth, but we need to hear it because it's true. He says, but your iniquities, your sins have separated you from God, every single person in the planet. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. We just were separated from him. Even though he was trying to find us at great expense, he was wooing us to himself. He was sending messengers along the way. He gave us signs, and yet we rejected him. The Father's love compels us. He wants to make up with his people and he needed a way. Good Friday teaches us that. He says in his word in John, as the Father loved me, Jesus said, I have loved you. And the psalmist says, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness is to the skies. It's that big and that far. Says in Isaiah, God speaking to the prophet, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. He says in Zephaniah, in his love and God's love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God is not a love in the verb where he chooses in hot and cold. He is love. That's him, a noun and his love is compelled to want to bring you home because he's got a chair at the table for each and every person. Now, what we say actually is that, well, I don't know that I'm estranged from God because I believe him and I'm not so bad. And good Christians think that at times. We get in that deception. And so we look at God and we think if, if God was, it was just a, a bag of sin, then you know, we, we look at it that our sin would be kind of like this. It's not so much, it's just a bag. It's not bad, it's just it. This is me, I'm okay, and it's not much, and, and he's going to overlook that because it's just small. But the, tr- the truth of it is, and this is what Good Friday reminds us, is that all of us have a lot to be thankful for. I mean, can you imagine if you, I know we won't record it because we couldn't handle it. Our consciences could not handle how many times we've lied, how many times we've skewed the truth to, to look good or to cover up, how many times we've, we've in some way stolen or cheated something or someone, how many times our pride has gotten in the way and we says, I don't need you, God. I, I can do this on my own. 
How many times we've cheated, whether it's at a game or on a, your punch card at work, on expense report, in school, all the number of ways. Been consumed with self-interest or unfaithful to fill in the blank. Unforgiving and relentless and not, and just believing we have a right never to forgive or have mercy. Indulging myself however I felt to indulge myself. I, I look down on others in pride because I'm thinking myself superior. I'm angry because I don't get my own way like a kid. I demand it. Or I'm holding prejudices that offend God. I have unrighteous judgments. So just imagine this for a moment with me. Just imagine that. It's not bad. This is going to be way underestimate, but I'm being real conservative. Let's just say that you and I, we, uh, in our little bag here, we sin only one time a day. Just one time a day. One little skew of the truth. One little bad motive that's anti-him. We just do it. Just by my math, that's 365 times a year, right? That's... Let's say you live 40 years. It's just 40 years. You can add or detract, subtract from there. That's 14,600. That, that seems hardly adequate to fit in a bag like this. As a matter of fact, in something that big, it's going to be more like this. It's going to be boxes full. It's going to be just all of it and... I don't even want to look at it. Things that you've forgotten, things of the past, things that, that we don't want to remember. That, that it just, it's fooled. And, and actually, this is just represents what's out in the 40-foot container out back. Like all the record of everything and all the fill-in-the-blank of us that is anti his character. That it would fill it. So it's not small like this. It's more like that. And with all that, we have a, a father who, one of his characteristics and names is that he's a judge. He's justice. And there's just no way that a good judge any judge worth their salt today and on sitting on any bench would be any good if they, if they let a crime just go, if they didn't abide by the statute and enforce the law. And God certainly is a good judge. He's perfect. And, and so he has no choice. He has no choice but to punish the infractions against him and declare us all guilty as charged. So God needed a solution. That's Good Friday. That's the solution. He needed, he needed to deal with that. And so he needed a way. This is a reminder for everyone in here that you live with guilt and condemnation. You blew it yesterday, this morning, and you just say, I'm no good. I'll never be. I don't belong. I shouldn't even come today. God knows that. And so he did what you couldn't do. And he says it in his word in Isaiah. He said, this is what's going to happen. Isaiah 53 says, yes, it was the Lord's will to crush him, meaning Jesus, and to cause him to suffer. It was God's will to crush his son. And though the Lord makes his life, and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, 
And so Jesus comes and the lashings are incredible. They take the skin and they peel it from his bones and they're protruding and the nerve endings are just hypersensitive at this moment. And just the, the wood on his back would have caused great shooting pain. And yet it pleased the Lord that he would crush him like this. Are you kidding me? Why? And so at that moment, Jesus on the cross, hopelessness filled the earth. And for a moment, for three hours, from 12 until 3 p.m., God turned the lights out. He says that this, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. This was written about by a Greek author named Phlegon, who wrote, and we found those documents, not a believer, not somebody trying to substantiate the biblical tale. He said it was the greatest eclipse of the sun is the way he described it. He said it became night at the sixth hour of the day so that star even appeared in heavens. And then there was a great quake and the earth shook. And many things were overturned. At the, in the darkness between the 12 and 3 hour, many probably walked away. Like, no, I, I'm, I'm discouraged and I'm hopeless. The lights are out. God is going to turn the lights out again one more time. It's going to be on the last day and all the stars will fall from the earth and the sun will disappear and it will be total darkness except for those of the light will see the light and we will not need the stars or candles or flashlights or electricity because he will be the light. The final words of Jesus, you know them. Unbelievable words and pain and suffering. Like it just, this, Everything that he was about was, was summed up at this moment. It pleased the Father to crush him, and then he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Is that not incredible? Forgive them. And then he takes the next step. He uses the gavel one more time, and he says, it is finished. What's finished? He's taken the debt, everything over here, and he's looked at the account and the volumes, and he just slammed on there, paid in full. You don't owe me anything. You could never fix this, but it's paid. Give you the receipt. It's paid in full. How could God do that? He says that he didn't just forgive. This is what he did. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. He said, like, listen, it's not your goodness or how well you did last weekend or how good you are. It's like there was only one way that you and I could be right in God's eyes, and Jesus was going to have to do it. And there was still a curse on mankind. Back in the garden, Adam and Eve, remember when they messed up? God pronounced a curse on them, threw them out of the place where he walked with them in the, in the cool of the day, where they had conversation and fellowship, where they had all that they could imagine to eat. Everything was theirs. They even got to name the animals. It was their dominion. It was beautiful. It was perfect. They were tossed out. But at that cross, 
when he gave his final breath, when he said it is finished and it's paid, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He has bought us back and he reversed the curse. You're no longer under the curse. It's done. The, the garden gates are open. You can go boldly to the presence of God. Having become, and how did this happen? Because Jesus having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. If you can just consume this for a moment, that of all of our garbage and all the mess and all the darkness in us, Jesus became our worst self. He took all of our sin and all the curse and he, became, and he became the curse. He took it on and when he died and he gave it up his last breath, his, his whole, the whole wrath of God turned against you and me and it turned on Jesus. And there's the final set of events. You know them. At that moment, the curtain the veil that separated the, the people from the Holy of Holies where God existed and his presence was rent from top to bottom. It's like you're not going to need that anymore. The earth shook. Graves and tombs were opened up. Bodies of many holy people of the past rose and walked and were seen by many witnesses, Matthew tells us. God's wrath has turned away from you and directed at Jesus. He says it this way in Romans 6, 6. For we know that our old self, that old me, that old stuff, the stuff in the boxes, all that old stuff, was crucified with him, was crucified with Jesus, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That you and me, if you're his, you've been done away with. I know that's hard to conceive because you're living like I do every single day. But in God's view, that's the one that matters, right? We say we live for an audience of one. You, you old, you don't exist. You've been set free. And it's 100% God's mercy and 0% your goodness. This is the hardest thing for believers to get, but Good Friday tells us this. 100% of all of this forgiveness and covering of our sin is God's, is the way God intended it because you and I could never do it on our own. It says in his word in Titus, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of the mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. That he did it. That he washed it. That he made us clean. Can you imagine? Like, I don't deserve that. I intentionally rebelled against God. I mean, I consciously did. Denied wanting anything to, to do with him. But at the very end of it, God came along, and at one part of the gavel, he declared you guilty. Then he came along, and he said, not guilty. Romans 3 says, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight, that he made us right. Yeah, but I don't deserve to be made right. I mean, look. Yeah, yeah, I don't. But he, he made us right. In his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sins, from the, from the penalty, the wrath of getting what I deserved. That we have been bought with God's blood. Like we have been bought. Like it, it's, he's so rich in kindness, his word says in Ephesians. He 
is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. World War II, just looking at the casualties, love the history, just in that war alone, throughout the world, we, we can only estimate 35 to 50 million people were a casualty or a fatality in that war. It was a huge price to pay for freedom. Enormous. To this day, millions are paid in ransom every year to get loved ones back in various parts of the world. Somalia, certain aid groups go in, most of them Christian, and put together money to buy out women and children that were taken in slavery. But there is absolutely nothing in history ever that can come close to, even close to looking and being what God did for us in setting us free. He says that our sins are covered by blood, the psalmist says, blessed is the one whose transgressions, whose sins are forgiven, whose sins are covered. So when Jesus went to the cross, he says, it's finished and it's paid for. Like he had to do something else. I mean, he just, like he just, he just needed, he couldn't look at this. He can't look at this. He's perfect. So he needed to find a way. And so he had to, Covered up. Though my sin be wretched and unsightly, he now sees the blood of his son. No longer seeing that. And then he says this words to Isaiah. says, come let us settle this matter. Let's settle something right here. Let's settle it. Though your sins are like scarlet, though your sins are evident to all, they shall be white as snow. Though they be as scarlet, his love ran red. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And so we've got stuff in our life, don't we? We've got, we carry a weight, all of us do. We just, we just have a weight that we carry. thing is, I, I got this weight, but I'm, I'm to be covered in righteousness and all, but while I'm carrying this weight of my sinfulness, I, I can't put this on. I'm, I'm going to have to get rid of this. Good Friday makes place for that. I, I have to get rid of this load in order to be right with him. And he says it in his word. He says, your faith and trust in Jesus is what releases God's mercy. And he says it in Acts, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So we've been given this great privilege of being free from this burden. He takes it and I don't know what your stuff is. We've got all kinds, whatever your stuff is. That we just, he's asking you to throw it down. He says, man, just throw it down. 
Just lay, lay it down. You just lay it down, whatever that is for you. you. You loved evil and your feet were quick to rush into it. That's the, who you were. You just enjoyed it. You, you didn't feel guilty about it. You totally enjoyed it. You're unforgiving and relentless and you, and you were fine with that. You just got to, you got to throw that down. Maybe for you it's something else. To you, you're just self-absorbed. Like it's just all about you, all about me. Use your body in ways that God never intended it to be used. It's just like, I mean, I have all this stuff. I, I can't take that stuff back. How could he ever take me? And he, you know what he says? Do you throw it down? It's like, put it down. There's one chronic liar. This chronic lying, can't stop it, can't help yourself. Stolen, you cheated. God comes to you and he says, I just want to forgive that. I really, I just want to, I want to forgive that. I just do. I want to help you internally, but you got to do something. You got to throw that down and give that to him. Maybe it's your parenting. You, were, you, you really messed it up the first time around. Did some bad stuff, which you were dealing with. Just, you just weren't, you knew you fell short on the parenting side. You don't know that, that you could ever forgive yourself or God could ever forgive you for that. Or you, you were the rebellious Larry Jr. for your parents and you can't fix that now and you've lost all that time and God comes to you and he says, listen, will you just throw that down? For you, it's, I don't know, maybe you discarded a baby because it was inconvenient for you and you feel horrible about it. Maybe it's, you just believe yourself better than other people and superior in so many ways. And you know that's looking back, there's just some shame in it. You don't think God will ever forgive that. But you know what he says to you? Throw it down. He wants to forgive it all. And he'd like you to take that and he wants to give you a new robe and give you a new life. He'd like you to take all this and just tuck it in over here. Just tuck it under the red. Just put it over here. Just tuck it in over here. You want to make it right. We all rely on God's mercy. God's wrath has been appeased and he's enabled reconciliation. There's nothing I can do to earn God's favor. This is the biggest struggle for believers. If I have any appeal to you on Good Friday is that we see it as how good it is. It's a tough revelation, I know. It's tough for me. That whole brain that condemns and disqualifies. Grace is 100% God, 0% you, except your choice of faith and trust in him. You're endeavoring to live out according to his Holy Spirit, a transformed life, being available to him, making yourself available. As a teenage girl, she was in a 
She was a young driver, 16 years old, I believe, 16 and a half. Just got her license, and she was driving some friends, and before they went out, they decided it would be fun to get some drink, and they drank. And she got in a horrible accident as a drunk driver, and she killed her best friend in that car. She, she lived through it, and she lived with that guilt, and it tormented and tortured her. So she went to the parents' house every single day, and not only did she apologize every single day, she said, I want to I I fix it. And so she would make them food, and she would help, and she would find whatever they needed. She says, I'll do whatever for you. I, I do it. And one day, the mom and dad stopped her and said, wait a minute. No matter anything you can do, you can never bring back our daughter. You can never bring back our daughter. And at that, she, she realized, like, I'm just, I'm done. I can't do this. I, I can never get rid of this shame and guilt. What that girl needed was, she needed a robe like this one. She needed to know that she could robe up in righteousness and be pure and clean and... It is finished. He has laid the iniquity of him on us all. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has gone our own way. At 57 years old, Larry Jr. came to his senses finally. 40 plus years of rebellion against his parents, fighting, rejecting them, rejecting the messengers that would come his way that would bring him home. He was afraid and petrified to contact his parents at this moment because even though he was being restored to sanity, he thought they would never accept him after 40 years. But they found out where he was again and they sent him an invitation for Thanksgiving as they would do whatever they knew where he was, they invited him. He got the invite, they never knew if he would come and they didn't expect him to come again because it's been 40 invitations. But Larry, as nervous and awkward as he was, he felt compelled to go home. And when he knocked on that door and they answered and they saw Larry, and he, he brought gifts because he thought, I've got to pay my way in. And he brought food and flowers and stuff for the house. And he said, just like here. They didn't see the gifts. They didn't care. Mom and dad hugged them and they wouldn't let go. They wept. They had Larry home. When he saw that they had his chair that he grew up sitting in, still empty, he filled it right away. Mom couldn't wait to dish out pineapple upside down cake. Larry said to his dad, he said, I don't know how you can ever forgive me. Dad, I don't know how you could ever forgive me. And dad said, forgive what? That's what God says. Forgive what? This is what I see. I mean, you're, you're all white and dressed and, and, and the darkness is covered now. I don't, I don't even see it anymore. You're free. Can you receive that? It's really incredible. 
We're going to go to worship now. I'm going to come back. I just want to pray with us and over us that we would rejoice in God's greatness and his goodness, right? Isn't he worth celebrating? Would you all rise with me, please?